gather together from the cosmic reaches of the universe. Here in this bog of dead trees are the most powerful forces of podcasters ever assembled. Rick Morgan, child of the 70s and defender of the 80s. Danny Bennett, small in stature, tall in power, narrow of purpose, and wide of vision. And their space monkey fleet, searching the galaxy for Christ to kill. Dedicated to horror, science fiction, and movies that are just cool for all mankind. And now, from the minds that brought you the stupid, brilliant Iron Man radio station. The station that plays Black Sabbath Iron Man 24 hours a day. Here's Rick and Dunny! Yeah! Thank you, thank you! first show everybody we think you're gonna really have a good time so strap on your boots it's gonna be a good one i know your mama love it <laughs> all right this next request is for shane from lisa lisa writes in thanks for being such a good companion and i'm looking forward to a great future together she requested a little justin bieber action so shane this one's for you. Hey, dude, dude. One show. One show. You like that, Shane? <laughs> we're, not doing, we're not doing that show anymore. Oh. We're not doing that show anymore. Show. So oh, other show. Cut okay, cool. Hey, welcome to the Hail Ming Power Hour. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hail Ming Power Hour. As my cohort, Rick, has let you know, we're here to talk to you about some of the movies of the 80s, 90s, 70s. It doesn't Whatever really we matter. feel like talking about, yeah. you know, it's the way it's going to go from here on out. We're going to let you know how we feel about things, and hopefully you'll agree. But if you don't, well, then you need to change your mind. <laughs> so yeah, the reason we got together here is is because obviously we're good buddies, and uh, it gives us just an excuse to get together and hang out for one thing. So uh, just to get things started, we'll kind of introduce ourselves a little bit. Uh, I'm Rick Rick Morgan, just a movie fan in general. Like a lot of different things, I spent most of my time just watching really bad movies, and and I'm just partial to a lot of them. So excited about getting to this! I'm the kid that stood in the video stores for hours, just looking at the covers of stuff, never really renting anything, just fantasizing really what this movie would be like just based off the cover art. So just kind of a lost thing from the '80s that uh, that I really miss now, and I'm sure a lot of you out there that are from that age group feel the same way. And it, it bled over into the '90s as well. Just having a, just a genuine love for these movies that uh, just grew up on and, and uh, still very fond of. Yes, they are aged uh, not quite well at times, but uh, it doesn't matter. You have to put the things into perspective of when they came out. So that's my backstory, kind of. Danny, you want to go ahead? All right. Well, uh, as Rick said, uh, Rick Morgan and Danny Bennett have been friends for uh, going on 20 years now. Yeah, I mean, close to it. We, we worked together for some time uh, and. Forged a friendship that even though we now don't live close to each other, we get together. And, and again, this is a great opportunity for us to get to spend some time together and share what we enjoy, uh, which is movies in general. Uh, we, we both, like uh, Rick said, 
grew up with a lot of uh, media in our lives, watched a lot of TV, you know, thanks to cable and heavy rotation. I saw the same movies several times, and uh, I have a very good knowledge of them, which uh, I'm going to hopefully... Hopefully I'm going to be able to take what I enjoyed about it, and Rick can take what he enjoyed about it, and we can convey that to you in a way that allows you to look at something that you might just see as uh, as dated and not worth seeing and realize that you know when it was made, there's a lot of real jewels that are in these things. There's a lot of real... Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the way they were made, you know, sh- sure, now you can make it all a lot cleaner, but there just is content in these that is worth seeing. And if nothing else, maybe we can show you the high points and you don't waste your time watching the whole movie, but you'll see some things that can let you to enjoy what we remember from our uh, our youth. Sure. <clears throat> also, the thing I think about with these movies, too, is, and we talked about this last night, is these are remake-worthy movies. All of these deserve a good remake, but I'm afraid that if they did, they would really mess up the, the core of what made these movies what they were. So uh, these are the movies that should be remade instead of rehashing all the stuff that are already you know, legendary movies that every time we remake them, we just go, yeah, it's just not as good. These could actually be upgraded a little bit, but uh, but still, if you lose that, that, that chemistry that makes up what this movie was, and you lose that, it just becomes a slick piece of garbage like everything else that's out there. So, uh, so yeah, they need remaking, but I fear for them being remaked. In, in other words, uh, the RoboCop remake, which RoboCop will definitely be on our list of these movies, but... Uh, you know, the remake was okay, but not near as gritty, or even has the same feel as the first RoboCop, and to me, you can't even really compare them. Well, and it, it bears mentioning that when these movies were made, uh, not all, but for the most part, they were original movies. They they weren't, and now they will take these movies, and they'll remake them with present-day technology and, and cleaner camera work, and uh, they'll make the same movie over again, whereas these movies are original concepts. And part of the reason that they are intriguing to us is you didn't need 20 pages of backstory or an origin story to appreciate them. It was a story. You were dropped into the middle of it. You enjoyed it for a couple of hours, and then you were done with it. And it was done with you. Uh, so nowadays they're, they're taking these movies and they're using technology to uh, make a much more watchable film. But it misses something, like like Rick was saying. It, it was an original concept. It was a story. It was a script that came from somebody, and you just saw the work. Yeah. So Well, again, Clash of the Titans pops to my mind because, I mean, the remake looks good. It's slick. Monsters look better. I guess you'd say they look better. I'm still fond of the original movie because you can tell the work that went into this and they found a chemistry of these actors and just the whole you know the whole layout of the movie has a chemistry to it and i think we lack that now it's just it just becomes a sleek production more than anything else so you miss the the heart and soul of what the movie is really supposed to be about yeah, so the, the kraken you know in the new movie sure it looks like it i don't even know that you can say that it it still doesn't look like it exists it still doesn't look like yeah any kind of real animal it just has more believable motion and so why not just look at a statue that's brought to life by yeah. you know the, the the hands of ray harryhausen you know sure. why not just look at a uh, a four-armed giant that came out of the ocean as opposed to the same you know thousand tooth monster that they have in every other movie now that roars and spits on your main character i mean it, it's gotten to the point where that's all you see and it's so easy to make that monster that 
everything just kind of looks the same. And we're not amazed anymore either. I mean, you know, you go back and, you know, before you had, you know, access to all the information like you do now. Nowadays, we know that when we're watching these movies, it's just some guy sitting at a computer creating these images. And we're not fascinated with that like we were with, with like Harry Housen, where you're doing the stop motion stuff where it's actually a an, an art that you're doing. Well, I'm not saying anything against CGI, you know, creation. There's definitely art there, but you know, you're actually doing something physical and making something work. And I, I think we've we've just lost that, and we're not amazed anymore. We got effects out the wazoo now, and we just in the back of our minds when we go to the theater, we go, oh yeah, that's that's all CGI, and we don't even bat an eye at it anymore. Which you take the generation back to my age group, and when the video for Thriller came out. And him transforming into the werewolf or the zombie scenes and all that stuff was amazing. And nowadays, you know, if you see that in a movie, you're not that amazed because it's all CGI done stuff. So uh, that's that's kind of where we're getting at with this. We, you know, we're a bit nostalgic about this stuff. But for the listeners out there that that uh, even know what the name of this show means, you're kind of falling into that category. You know, the other thing we want to get across with is is. Uh, the one thing I was told when we started this was, hey, just be yourself. So right now we're not being ourselves. We're trying to give you just the low-down facts of who we are and stuff. We're a couple of wild and crazy guys. We've got some creative ideas, and uh, we just want to have fun with this. So the true personalities will be coming out. We're just getting started here. My angle on this is I love horror movies. Danny and I both do. We love the horror movies. But you're not born a horror fan. Something leads you down that path. And I really think these movies that we're focusing on are those movies that kind of challenged your fear factor, I guess you would say, at the time of a young age. So you can trace it all the way back to watching Wizard of Oz. I mean, who wasn't scared of the flying monkeys? Who wasn't scared of the witch saying, this is how long you've got to live? I mean, there's all these things that stay with you. And the older you get, the more you challenge that fear because there's something exciting about that. For myself, watching the movies was me challenging myself. I, I wasn't a daredevil. I wasn't a crazy teenager like most. I didn't go out and party every weekend and jump off the top of buildings or go out and drive cars real fast and stuff. I, I was afraid of getting hurt. <laughs> so my my rush was to sit home and watch these movies and challenge my fear factor. So uh, that's how I got hooked on the horror stuff. But I think all these movies really led to that point. So that's really what we want to focus on is that, that trail that leads you into horror. I couldn't agree more. I, I was never a horror fan. My, I have an older sister who would watch the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. I was a, I was the cowardly little brother who wouldn't watch any of that. But I absolutely loved movies. My mother absolutely loved movies, uh, sci-fi particularly. Um, my first movie was Star Wars in the theater, and, and I was five years old. And yeah, I think she said as soon as it started to roll, I, I was quiet until the credits rolled. So it's something that's always... a entranced me and it, it definitely has affected me uh, I, I pulled into the horror a lot because of my friendship with rick we we have a tendency to to enjoy what each other likes so that's pulled me in but yeah absolutely everything that we watched had has these moments and these moments kind of shape the things you look for and that's kind of what i would like to focus on here is 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 those moments you know the, the things that you can nitpick anything to death you can nitpick new stuff old stuff but uh what it boils down to is are there things that affect you are there things when you walk away you remember these five things from the movie that you want to go talk to somebody about well now you don't really talk to anybody about them you just find the clip on youtube and then they watch them too yeah 
Uh, so it's a, it's a dying art storytelling, and I think that we're going to hopefully find a way to to help tell these stories without it being a shot for shot, you know, line critique. I, I think the other side of this too is also just the explanation of the time frame of these movies. One of the reactions I had of doing a podcast was because I was listening to other people who are a little younger than I am, uh, but they're doing this perspective and looking for social explanations in these movies. These movies were made at a time when you didn't think that way as far as trying to implement things that would affect the social media 20 years from now. It's really a reflection of that time, and to beat a movie up because of that is just wrong. These movies are fun. They're the roller coaster ride movies. Uh, they've got all the peaks and valleys and stuff. If you're looking for intellectual meaning out of a lot of these movies, then you're just totally misled and not really getting the point of what these movies were about. It was entertainment. And uh, that's that's why I'm kind of re- reacting with this podcast is because I hate to hear people beating up stuff when they wasn't really there to experience it when it actually was released. That's what kind of what we'll be diving into. Just the perspective of being there when it happened. And uh, so that that's kind of my defense on this is, you know, I hear people that go back and watch them now, and the retrospective is from a point of view from now. But if you were there when these movies came out, they were huge. It bears mentioning that we're not alone in this, and the, the proof is that the new Star Wars film that was made has a ton of practical effects in it. It has, it has people, instead of being in front of a blue screen, it has people on a desert in front of a a big X-Wing that was built just for the scene. And it's because when you're telling a story, having something really there is is easy to work around. It's more about acting and it's less about effects. And I think that might be part of what the yep. what the difference is. I don't I was gonna say the problem. It's not a problem. It, it can all come together. But when you have a practical effect, when you have a prop, it's easier for that actor to act with that prop. And if the actor is more genuine then your experience is more genuine. Same thing with the new Mad Max movie. I don't know if you saw it or not, but man, it's mostly, you know, practical effects. Yeah, well, it just came on to uh, the on-demand at home, so I'll probably watch it when I uh, get back this it's weekend. Awesome. I've heard nothing awesome. but good things, and uh, yeah. unfortunately, I don't have nothing but time. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, we do have a couple of rules. Well, actually, one rule. Uh, we want to try to stay away from the trauma films, just from the fact of. The intention of those films are just to kind of be bad anyways. Uh, I have nothing against the trauma films, but I think for what we're doing here, they're just kind of their own category. Uh, Gross-out films, if you want to call them that. They're fun, but I just don't think, uh, unless we just get to a point, and I'm not saying we never will, but as for now, starting off, we're going to try to stay off the trauma train. Uh, It just doesn't fit what we're trying to accomplish here, so it may be a step back for us. Uh, Agreed. There's a... And uh, I... I don't like a lot of trauma films. Uh, I think anybody can fall into that category because they are so bad. But some of them are so bad they're good. And what we're trying to do is defend things that are worth defending. Yeah. And I don't think any. I don't think anyone's great. attacking trauma films. And I think if they no. are attacking trauma films, it's kind of what trauma wants. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it, it's no publicity is bad publicity kind That's of right. stuff. And That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, again, it's just not worth our time to try and sing the praises of trauma films because uh, you know if you're trying to be yourself then uh, I don't think I could be genuine about that and anybody who's out there is a trauma film fan and they want to contact us and say well you know this one breaks the mold and we look at it hey you're a listener and uh, I don't think we've gotten to this point but I want to make sure to point it out 
Thanks for listening. We're going to go ahead and start breaking off into our first movie, so we'll be right back after this. All right, it's time to step into our first movie. And uh, to give you a little background on it, love this movie. What about you, Danny? Oh, it's it's one of my all-time faves. Yep. Highly influential. Uh, came on HBO nonstop back in the day. Uh, I've heard that uh, it was influenced for a lot of different movies. Matter of fact, I heard for uh, the, the same year this movie came out that uh, the script was stolen, and it was split between two different studios. And one one company made, off the same script, made Smoking the Bandit Part 3. You're, you're kidding. Well, I can see that. There's a lot of the same story trappings. Yep. And, you know, I, I've heard that, that Jackie Gleason's a huge fan. Absolutely. Huge. Well, he was a huge fan. He's well, not now, but... He is still a huge fan, whatever he's, he is. He's probably still huge. <clears throat> I don't know if but he's a fan. We probably shouldn't go there. Um, probably not. Yeah, Jackie Gleason, huge fan of this movie. Uh, known to see it 60 times. Uh, you know, it was... Uh, Rented his own theater to watch it. That's true, and... It's amazing because it came out the same year, as you said, off the same script. Yeah. And you'd think that he might feel some uh, some combativeness to this theater for, for stealing what could have been a, a real um, jewel for his crown. Yep. But instead, uh, yep. he just he was an unabashed fan well, of and this he, movie. And he, he wanted to be in, in this movie, but he couldn't because he was stuck in the other version, which was Smoking the Bandit 3. So, uh, you know. Fought in court. <laughs> it was fought in court for at least at least a month. At least a month. <laughs> of course, we're talking about the incredible crawl, <laughs> right? So, uh, to bounce off of that, to, to give us the background of uh, an IMBD reading of it, here's a uh, crappy Jimmy Stewart. Uh, crawl, a 1983 film, uh, Ray PG, uh, 121 minutes. Uh, it's an action uh, adventure uh, fantasy film. Uh, a uh, prince and a fellowship of companions set out to rescue his bride from a fortress of alien invaders. Alien? Oh, man. That's not... Who arrived at their home planet. Uh, aliens? Back in my days, we didn't have aliens. We had a coke that was five cents. And that was a rescue right there to get. It was a six out of ten... Uh, from critics from 22,313, that was the population. The whole world must have seen this movie. That's marvelous. Marvelous. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Jimmy. <laughs> so why should you watch Curl? If you like Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Excalibur, it's kind of a, a culmination of all those put together. Agreed. Why should you watch Crawl? If you like legend, there's a ton of legend in Crawl. And why should you watch Crawl? Because it's sci-fi fantasy gold that uh, may have been buried. And you can tell your friends, I saw this movie that you have no idea about. That's right. Why should you watch Crawl? Slayers. Slayers. Yes. <laughs> Slayers have dome heads. Slayers have brain things that go into the ground when they've been killed. Yep. Red lightning. What's cool, too, is you've got actual swords, like medieval swords, but when they clang together against other weapons of sorts, the rotoscope light from lightsabers comes off of them. You can't beat that. That's awesome. That's right. It's true. And, and the, uh, the Slayers have spears that shoot bolts of energy. And, uh, and what do they do? What do they do, Rick? They slay. They slay. <laughs> because they work for the Beast, and this, 
Beast sends them out to slay. Yep. So they land in this big mountain spaceship-looking thing. It's actually some kind of fortress that the main big monster lives in. So that's the other thing. Why is you to watch Crow? Big monster. Big monster in a space fortress. And do you see the big monster until the end? Not really. Nah. You see pieces. You see his eye. Yeah. See his hand. What should be an ear. His hand comes up like a tree, sets on fire. Yeah. Another reason to watch it, there's some weird Ken Russell-style montages in this thing. Just weird stuff that has no real explanation. He's trying to convince this princess that he's kidnapped to fall in love with him. So she does, he does all these. He's pulling out all the stops on this girl. Yeah, well, he's a giant beast, so yeah. he's got to work. <laughs> Anybody who knows Disney knows that beasts have to work to get the girl. But, yeah, absolutely. The uh, Why should you? The beast, the Black Fortress, the Slayers. Cyclops. Cyclops. There is a Cyclops. He saves the day. So there's... It's very, very Lord of the Rings-esque as far as storytelling. Uh, you feel like you're going on this adventure. It's just not as long <laughs> as Lord of the Rings. It's true. As a matter of fact, the timing in Krull is another reason you should watch Krull. There isn't a dull moment. It goes straight from yeah. action to action. Flies by. And, and you need they give no real explanations of what's going on. You're just in the middle of it. And I really like that aspect of it as well. It's true. It, it it falls into the category of not over-explaining, and it gives you all you need to yep. enjoy the movie. You could question it, but there's no reason to, because it's Crawl. And so for you people out there that are probably like diehard horror fans that you know like it gory and stuff, why should I watch Crawl? Well, the reason why is there's plenty of crazy, gory stuff in this movie. You've got a guy that gets stabbed through the neck by a slayer. You got a slayer's head popping open, and this bloody worm slug looking thing comes out of his head and goes down into the ground. Uh, big slimy monsters, everything, man. It, it's it's awesome. There's these things called changelings in here, and uh, when you kill them, it's it's pretty ugly as well. It's pretty ugly death. That's right. The beast has has two minions that come out: the slayers and the changelings. And the changelings have a uh the ability, of course, to change into someone that you thought you knew, but it was actually a changeling. And uh, when they are killed, they become kind of strange worm rag dolls that go into the ground just like Slayers, and it's kind of creepy. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, this this movie just has it all, man. It's just a lot of fun. Uh, giant spiders. Oh, giant spiders for sure. Why should you watch called Giant Spiders? There is a giant spider. It has a lair, and a uh, you know, spoiler alert. Nobody makes it out of that lair alive. Well, one guy does. He lasts about three seconds. Then he dies. True. True. Yep. Nobody lives in the web. Well, somebody lived in the web, but she doesn't anymore. <laughs> that They fixed that in this yep. movie. Should you watch Curl for the Glaive? Yes. For the Glaive and what the Glaive does and what the Glaive doesn't do. That's right. For the ordeal that gets to the Glaive, which is... Um, Scaling a relatively difficult mountain, yeah. and then reaching into lava, which doesn't burn you. So you, you could probably reach the top of the mountain with just a step ladder, really. Well, yeah, we. <laughs> it wasn't it might much take, of a haul. It might be a decent hike. Yeah, you, know, you could take a scout crew up there, probably. Yeah. So, so, so when the when the guy goes to get it, <laughs> his family has just been completely. Well, not his family. The whole castle, basically, everybody that's living in the castle has been marauded, and he just okay. It's time to go get the glaive. 
And you got to think, I mean, probably 20 or 30 people died in the uh, siege of that castle, which is about half the population of Krull from the looks of things, because you don't see people. And, you know, we're making jokes, obviously, for entertainment's sake, but it's a great movie. Yeah. There's just a lot of things in it that, that are, are worth watching for. Giant spiders, slayers, the beast, the beast's castle. The fact that the inside of the beast's castle is like a great big organism with crazy claws and eyes and... Uh, and it may be the beast's body. We don't know. Yeah, don't and that's the fact that the that the fortress can jump, jump space and time. It can be on the planet at this location at this time, and then disappear and pop up at, at another portion of the planet. So that alone is pretty dang cool. I haven't really seen that in any other movie. Yeah, major plot point there. You can't attack what you don't know, what you can't find. Yeah, and they don't know where it's going to end up, so they can't attack it. And most of the movie is trying to figure out where the fortress is going to be. Yeah, it's kind of the whole point of the movie. You find the glaive, then find out where the fortress is, and go kill the monster. That's pretty much the whole movie. Uh, You stole my princess. I'm coming to get you. They could have renamed it that. Yeah. You stole my princess. I'm coming to get you. (laughs) Prepare to die. I like that. Um, And, you know, again, with Krull, we're going to say... The Beast, Slayers, The Dark Fortress, or The Black Fortress. Um, some cool sci-fi concepts mixed with some fantasy concepts. Absolutely. Um, fantastic 80s special effects. I mean, they, they may not hold up to today's standards, but they are great special effects. At the time they came out, they were pretty top-notch, really. And if you still watch them, you know, you, you know what's going on. Yeah. And, uh, and when you talked about this earlier, the whole explosion... Of the fortress at the end, and when it explodes, everything goes up into the atmosphere instead of like crumbling to the ground. It's right opposite. It's a pretty cool effect. Still haven't seen anything like that in any, any other movies. It's like reverse Tetris. To boot, you got Robbie Coltrane, aka Hagrid. You got Liam Neeson, and uh, you've got. Is that it? <laughs> it's all that matters. <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, you got James Horner doing the soundtrack. I mean, come on, that's legendary. The, the, the soundtrack for this song, the theme song, is is amazing. I think there's a uh, there's a an old there's an old song that goes a uh, little James Horner sat in the corner writing the soundtrack to Crawl. <laughs> I think that's I think that's it. Along came a spider, and they put it in the movie. I have to see if I can find that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, obviously. We could talk for 76 minutes about this movie. We know because we did <laughs> earlier today. And then we decided to break it down to a smaller uh, yep. bite-sized chunk. We feel the fans would have wanted it that way. You can let us know. If you want to hear the whole 76 minutes, I doubt we're going to you know, can it. So yeah, there you go. Then again, we're getting started. Get off of our back. Never mind. So, you know, we've got... Oh, we forgot. Dude's pants. Dude's pants. Yeah, that right. is a great. Re- the wedding ceremony with the fire and and, yeah. and dude's pants. Yeah, the wedding ceremony is classic, which really ties into it's a little uh, foreshadowing, I guess, of what really kills the whole you know, monster at the end of the movie is the ceremony that they did at the wedding ceremony. So, I thought you meant dude's pants. Yeah, dude's pants is the reason for the whole movie. Yeah, a little uh, foreshadowing with the pants. Prince Corwin and his pants. Beat the Beast. That's uh, yeah. I, I, you know what? If you told me that, 
I'd say yes. Dude's pants beat the beat the beast. Well, that might be why she loves him. It could be. <laughs> so it's it's weird because we're talking about this crazy sci-fi movie, but what you really come away with is love conquers all. It's, it, <laughs> that's what it's that's the, what it's these about. Mics, these mics are on stands, so we can't drop them. But if we could, <laughs> that would have been would a drop, drop mic yeah, right there. That's right. Love conquers all. There's even a point where the uh, the beast says, "I'm looking at <laughs> get, get out of my house." <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing in here? The the beast says, "Love is fleeting, power is eternal," and he could not be more wrong if this movie is any indication. And we love this movie. Yes. So love conquers that. So you got quicksand. You got a great big swamp. You got the Emerald Seer. So if you're going to watch this movie, make sure that you stop the fast forward to watch the Slayer's Attack, the wedding. You make sure to stop the fast forward to watch the glaive getting taken out of the lava. Although you know you could probably fast forward through that. Just yeah. just watch it. Yeah. Um, you stop the fast forward to check out the Emerald Seer because he does a cool thing where he spins a big emerald. And oh, that's, not to mention that they have to go through the wall there. The where the the, the stone opens up and they go through to see him. So. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. And Ergo the Magnificent is kind of our um, our comedy relief. You don't really need to, unless you just really like watching pretty good morphing where people morph into animals. Because <laughs> like, there's pretty decent Pretty good morphing. <laughs> I, I, I think it's pretty good. I mean, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's not bad. It's not great. But for the time, it's probably pretty pretty challenging. Yeah. So then you you also watch at least part of the uh, the crystal spider lair, so you can see the the cool giant spider. Yeah. Um, Stop motion at its best. It's it's really good. And then just watch the whole showdown at the end, uh, yeah. because it's pretty good. the The sets are amazing with the inside of the black fortress, and uh, the the showdown with the monster may seem like it goes pretty fast, but you, you'll think back on it and think, man, that thing was cool. <laughs> Yeah, and just the fact of, you know, you go through the the whole experience of getting the glaive, not really knowing what it does. Uh, basically, I guess it's just a legendary kind of weapon that's been passed down through the generations of this is the ultimate weapon, and then you get it and find out it really doesn't do a whole lot. Cool, you can control it with your mind and make it fly. So for you that don't know what the glaive is, if you haven't seen the movie, it's basically a ninja star. Uh so it's a five-pointed, the blades kick out. It's like a switchblade for all, for all the points. And uh, that's, uh, that's the glaive. So another element that ties into this being a 1983 movie is the fact of um, it came out during the whole ninja explosion, the, all the ninja movies that came out at the time. So, hmm, what do kids like? Hmm, they like that Star Wars. Hmm, they like the gladiator-type movies. They're like ninja stars. You get crawl. You get crawl. All right, so three reasons that we should make sure to watch crawl. One, black eyes. Yeah, well, the whole blacking out of the eyes thing, man. We're not talking about you know people getting punched in the eye. We're talking about the the whole eye is black, and it's something that indicates that you are about to be messed up That's right. by a dangerous, murderous, changeling assassin. Yep, the changeling's eyes turn just solid pit black all the way across. It's really creepy looking. And uh, what's another reason? Well, do you like Budweiser? Do you like it when they pull that big old wagon? (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, then yes, sir, I do. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a wagon. It's a word that escaped me for a minute, but what won't escape you is that fire mares are in this. That's right. Which has nothing to do with Budweiser. With the Clydesdales. Oh, Clydesdales. They're, they're big Clydesdale horses that run so fast that their feet catch on fire. Yes. And it doesn't hurt them, so don't feel like you need to be yeah. afraid. Yeah, no Clydesdales were hurt in the making of Curl. That we know of. Yeah. And the third thing we need to mention that you have to watch out for is Spike's. Oh, spikes. Definitely spikes. These guys fall into a room, like, just by leaning against the wall, you know, a la short round. And then they uh, then they fall into a Temple of Doom-style room in the fortress where spikes kill their buddy and try to kill them, too. Yep. And they're pretty much trapped there till the end of the movie. So, you know, the, you feel sorry for the guy that dropped his costly knife. Yeah, went back for his knife. He decided, oh, I know I'm taking a chance with my life. It's kind of like... Uh, Indiana Jones reaching for his hat after he gets past the, the the stone wall that's coming down. He reaches back and get the hat. This guy had the same idea, but he was not Indiana Jones. No, he was not. <laughs> and uh, it worked out a lot better for Indy. Yes. <laughs> so those are three other reasons on top of all the reasons we've told you. So watch out for those three things and uh, tell your friends. So I absolutely love the movie. What do you think, Dan? I'm in love with the movie. I want to marry it and uh, have kids with it. Brian Blessed, what do you think? The hunter becomes the hunter. All right. All right. He, he had a little music in the background there, too. Like, he goes around with his own music. And you should, too. What do you think about it, kids? <laughs> That's right. Oh, kids. Visit Scenic Crow, the planet you've never heard of. Book your trip today. Big mountains. No population. Visit Corwin's Palace. The Great Swamp. The legendary Emerald Palace. Volcanoes with undiscovered treasure. Do you like spiders? Thought you would. Check out the Cave of the Crystal Spider. The Black Fortress is just a fire mare ride away. For now. So visit Scenic Crow and book your vacation today. All right, coming up next, another one of our favorite movies, 1980-somethings. 1981. 1981's <laughs> Dragon Slayer. Dragon Slayer. And for the synopsis of this, we have crappy Marlon Brando. Dragon Slayer, 1981. Ray PG, 109 minutes. That's like an hour and 49 minutes. It's an action, adventure, and a fantasy film. A young wizarding apprentice is sent to kill a dragon. Oh gosh, a dragon. Must be a drive-by or something. Which has been devouring girls from a nearby kingdom. Is a Disney movie? Really? I mean, a Disney movie out of dragons? I hope they trained them. So 6.7 out of 10 from critics. 10,376 people have seen this movie. If I enjoyed this video, I'd start your Donner Day to build trial. What? Amazon.com. Matthew Robbins was the director. What a great person he was. He had a lot of cannolis. I know he did. Okay, so Danny... Why should people watch Dragon Slayer? 
why should people watch Dragon Slayer? Well, point number one to watch out for when you're watching Dragon Slayer, green flames. That's right. Green flames. Magical flames for Ulrich's funeral pyre at the beginning. It will be something that's worth mentioning later. Yes. Yeah, it really ties in more foreshadowing. So, green flames. All right. What else should we look forward to? Yes. Why should we watch? Why should we watch Dragon Slayer? Peter McNichol. Peter McNichol, who you might remember from Ghostbusters Two or Allie McBeal, or you might remember his sister, who was way more popular than he was, Christy McNichol. For a while. For a while. Actually, for probably most of the time. Then, when they found out that she was the devil because she never aged, she kind of lost popularity. That's, didn't know about that one. But she still looks the same now as when she was like twelve. But Peter McNichol uh, was starting a career as a possible leading man. Uh, his appearance changed a little bit, so you know he didn't look as spry or youthful, and he got a lot of work. But he no longer got work of this nature. So there's kind of a Luke connection to him. He's he's kind of a an apprentice, and he's a little whiny. But uh, Peter McNichol, definitely worth watching for. Yep. You quickly identify with him. He's trying to be become a wizard. He's studying under the main wizard in the movie, and uh, he's just not very good at it. He comes in to take over where the wizard was being asked to do. Yes. To go take care of the dragon. Yeah. And he's got a lot of confidence, but not a lot of yeah. talent. So he's he's studying on the wizard, and the wizard gets killed, and uh, from hence we get the green flames. <laughs> right. Another reason. Uh, on the road, they uh, stop at a creek. There's a little there's a little nudity under the water there. It's kind of a reveal for the movie. Uh, you're you're locked into another character development here, where you meet a side partner, and uh, kind of ambiguous. As far as who it is, and with the uh, the creek scene, you find out exactly what she is. Right, right. She uh, she is hiding who she is for a reason, and that reason is the lottery. That's right. Which is the next reason to watch Dragon Slayer: the lottery. So this town has a lottery where they take all the virgins in the town, they put them in a a slate lottery, and they draw a name, and yep. that name gets what illustrious. Uh, Assignment. Well, Daddy, since you asked, they actually get signed up and recruited to go out and be sacrificed to the dragon. And this appeases the dragon to where he will not come and destroy the entire village, basically. That's right. It's a huge part of the plot, and it's worth mentioning that uh, it's done pretty well. It's it's kind of dirty and medieval um, and not in a good way. The, uh, The lottery brings in a lot of things. It also brings in the king. Yes. Uh, unbeknownst to everyone before the movie, has been keeping his own daughter's name out of the lot. And uh, that comes in when uh, her name is drawn. And he says, well, there must be some mistake. It turns out every slate. Yeah. Yeah, she had changed all of them. Took, she found out that her name was being withheld. And being the upright citizen that she was, she took everybody else's name out and put her name in. In and all you know, of them. <laughs> we can say that the uh, the blacksmith's daughter wasn't so upright. True. She didn't do that. She said, yeah, you figured out I'm a girl yeah. through the course of this movie. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. I'm, I'll put my name in once. Yeah. So. She didn't volunteer as tribute either. She just. <laughs> uh, but why? she believes that 
they should go kill the dragon. <laughs> Hence the title of the movie. Which, the king has the coolest name probably of all kings I've ever heard of. <laughs> you can say it better than it's I can. Cassiodorus Rex. Cassiodorus Rex. Who would not want to have a king named Cassiodorus Rex? Virgins. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. <laughs> Well, so good. Good point. So we figured out that you know the, the there's some cross dressing, there's some green flame, there's Peter McNichol, who again he's a favorite of mine. I have to put him in he's there great. as such. I, I like him a lot. Yep. The last thing I think I've heard of him doing was he was the voice of the Mad Hatter in the Batman video games. But we'll we'll go beyond that. There's the in the crick scene where you figure out just who's who and what's what. That's right. Um, and then the lottery, which which uh, is a culmination of the plot. Which uh, leads us to, well, let's kill the dragon. What can we do that with? The wizard. <laughs> <laughs> it's the the dragon slaying spear. That's right, the dragon slayer. The blacksmith goes to retrieve a spear that he's had in a cage hanging in a waterfall when they, they took all the weapons from the people. And this thing is so sharp that they, they show it Shaving a, uh, a horseshoe. A horseshoe. Which is awesome. Reason to watch the movie right there. Watch yeah. this spear shave a horseshoe. I mean, it might not be something to write home about every day, but it's a cool part of the movie. But this thing's been setting for no telling, no telling how long, how long he's he's built this thing, and it's just been in a waterfall. And it's yeah. metal. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's even corroded a bit, but yeah. it comes right clean, and it, and it shaves a horseshoe with its razor edge. What we have, we have green flame, magical ashes. Peter McNichol. Peter McNichol. Creek scene. We have the creek scene. Lottery. The lottery. Cassiodorus Rex. Cassiodorus Rex. The blacksmith making the dragon slayer spear. The the dragon slayer spear is an awesome thing. Um, then we get to go to why else should you watch Dragon Slayer? The the wizard man. The wizard. It's the wizard. Yeah. Um, Ralph Richardson plays the wizard. You might remember him as as God from uh, Time Bandits. True. Sir Ralph Richardson, I'm sure. Yeah. Um he plays the wizard. Tremendous job. Yep. And it's it's very uh Gandalf like. You have the character who is kind of in, in uh kind of a, a a grayer type, you know, clothing situation and then when he resurrects, which is what we'll talk about after this, after he when he resurrects he comes back and he's wearing flashy clean bleached white. So uh, a lot of similarities there. He's also kind of got the Ben Kenobi feel about him too, where he knows that at, at the beginning of the movie he gets he gets killed. So it's that same mentality of you know when you strike me down I'll become more powerful, uh, Gandalfish as well. So uh, so you kind of get that spin on it too. Uh, he uses the excuse of he couldn't make the travel because of his age that's going to be required to, to to go after this dragon. But uh, when it all comes down to it, he uh, had already foreseen how this was going to work out as far as what the chances were of killing the dragon. So, uh, in other words, he knew that Peter McNichol, by himself, wasn't really going to do the job. No, no. Not a job for an apprentice. And, uh, you know, but Rick, dragons have fire. Yes. How could you possibly protect yourself as Peter McNichol apprentice from this fire? I mean, you've got a spear. You get your best friend slash boy slash girl friend to make a top-notch well-woven dragon scale shield dragon scale shield yeah brilliant yeah right and we're not talking about some 
uh, Lord of the Rings elven made gold shield that you know, came from some armory underground. We're talking about this dirty yeah. pulled him out of the rocks. daughter yeah. went and collected dragon scales from the dragon cave yeah. and and put them together to protect him from the fire. And uh, she throws it down at him because yep. she's pretty upset because he's he's got the hots for the uh, the yeah, princess. He's fell in love with the the princess that put her name in the drawing, so he has a new incentive of killing the dragon. It's just to get the girl, which you know he's a typical dude. That's that's what we do. That's not a yeah. It's not a bad goal, I guess, or yeah. not a good bad motivation. Yeah. But she's upset because she likes him. You know, it's the it's the lovers triangle thing. So it is. So uh, that that's not a reason to watch Dragon Slayer, but it's just in the movie. Oh, it's a reason. Yeah. There's a it's a reason. So, Dragon Scale Shield, Spear. Yep. In the Crick Bathing, Princess, Cassiodorus Rex, Sir Ralph Richardson, yep. Green Flame. And we, we got a lot of stuff so far. Are you guys excited to go watch the movie? Because. <laughs> That's excitement. That's excitement, folks. Now, so the, the next thing we got. Fire Lake Resurrection, the Fire Lake Resurrection. Well, and we've got to we've got to give some props to the the fire. Or we've got to give some props to the dragon slaying spear. Oh yes, that that. So there's a man at arms that that'll really get your goat when you watch the movie. You'll say, "Man, that guy. Yep. I hope he gets stabbed through a post with a spear." <laughs> Guess what? I got good news for you. He gets stabbed through a post with a spear. Through it, not. Uh, I mean, a post now. Yeah, it's a big it's, post. It's a big old post. Yeah. And he stabs right through it. Is the guy's like, ah, I've got you. And he gets on the other side of the post like, ah, well, no problem. I'm on the other side of this thick wooden post that I think they chain virgins to. to, to you know. Yeah, that's the thing, too, is because it's, it's almost out of a quick desperation that this happens because he goes to stop Peter McNichol from saving the chick. So she he cuts her free. She runs away. And it's almost like Indiana Jones with the scene where, where he shoots the guy with the gun. You know, the guy's got the sword and he pulls out the gun and shoots the guy. It's almost the same thing where he's like, I don't have time to mess with you, dude. So the dude's hiding behind the post, so he just rams it through the post and through the guy. And so let's let's get to why does he not have time to mess with that dude Cause, when the princess is free? Yeah, because the princess is still going to give herself to the dragon. To keep it from attacking everybody. So she's just got a will to die. That's all I can figure out. Well, she feels like she's been artificially protected from harm that her people have had to go through. <laughs> I thought you were going to say inseminated, but I'm glad you didn't. I'm not. That's not that kind of movie. Roger <laughs> Corman had nothing to do with Dragon Slayer. Thank God. But it'd have, it'd have a bulldozer and chicken eggs and a Tyrannosaurus Rex in it. He did it. <laughs> We can all just thank our lucky stars. And in 1981, the movie Dragon Slayer was made, and Roger Corman's name was not brought up in the same room. <clears throat> so, yeah, she's she's basically throwing herself into into the fire, basically, to to give herself up and and uh, do what she feels like she's been uh, kept from for all these years. So apparently, she's just not happy at home. Probably an angry teen. Who knows what the story is? Who so. knows? And when she enters the the dragon's lair, she uh, is encountered by baby dragons. Yeah, yeah. She didn't even make it to the big dragon. She just yeah. gets pretty much mauled and eaten by the little baby dragons. Which I'm going to go off the rails here a little bit because the 1998 whatever year Godzilla movie Matthew Broderick version that came out. Yeah. Okay. That whole idea of the baby Godzillas and stuff, I'm sorry. It it 
reminds me so much of Dragon Slayer. They stole that idea from from Dragon Slayer. You go back and you watch these two movies kind of together, you're going to, wait a minute. This is very, very similar because same deal. When they start knocking off the Godzilla babies, what does Godzilla do? Gets angry and comes after them. Same thing happens in this movie. Well, I mean, I think it was already in mode. And, you know, I was just going to say, for all we know, the virgins up until now might have been feeding the babies True. Too. I mean, we don't really know. And maybe why just leave them chained up there and go. Yeah. Maybe the older dragon doesn't really need to eat that much. True. Um, well, think <clears> about that. Think of the size of the dragon. You know, a person would be like eating one potato chip. So. Yeah, I don't know who struck this deal with the dragon, to be honest, but. Yeah. They probably left town a while back. Yeah. Who communicates with the dragon to say. <laughs> Or the dragon tells them. You want them, more virgins? Yeah. The dragon doesn't talk at all. Is one a month? Which, okay. which is a big plus. A reason to watch Dragon Slayer, they do not talk. Yeah. The, the dragon is a is a frightening beast. And it probably has some intelligence, but it's not talking to people. Yeah. It don't have to. So, so yeah. The princess gives herself up. She's being eaten, which is very, very bloody, actually. It's, it's Yeah. It's pretty brutal. And, and then the baby dragon is killed. Yeah. Yeah. Because Peter also, McNichol walks in there and... He's looking at this girl that he went in to save, and she's missing half of a leg, and her hands ripped off, and these things are just eating away at her, which is very gory, and for especially for like they said, like like Marlon Brando said, it it is a Disney movie. They kind of uh, try to change their image there in the eighties a little was it, bit. Was it Touchstone? Uh, no, 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 Touchstone. You know, was Disney's. So they made no, Splash. They made. It's it's a uh, it's P- Paramount, wasn't it? <clears throat> yep. Yep. But it was a Disney side. You know, company that they were putting together to do these kind of movies. Why should you watch Dragon Slayer? Green Flame, Magical Ashes, uh, Peter McNichol in his breakout role and sadly only role as an adventure action star. Uh, in the Creek, you got the uh, that scene. I, I have to keep going back to it. I, it was 1981. I was what? <laughs> I was seven. Anyway, <clears throat> but chances are you didn't see it at that point. You saw it later on, like 84, 85. 86, where they showed it a lot on HBO or whatever. You're absolutely right. And it it, it stuck with me because I've, I've seen this movie several times. So, you know, we got the lottery. you got that whole scene where all the the, ta- the tabs come out. Just pay attention to that. The King's got a great line in there where where somebody says, <laughs> or I think it's it's, uh, it's Valeria, the, uh, the, the blacksmith's daughter, who says, her name is called. She has to go. And the King just says, no, <laughs> it's, it's awesome. There's Cassiodorus Rex in his in his. Uh, anyway, I'm going off the rails. You got the lottery. You got the uh, the dragon slaying spear and the scale shield. You got the fire lake resurrection. You know. Well, we haven't got there yet. We haven't talked about it. Well, you you brought it up a couple times. It's, I did. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. You keep bringing. I brought, it, I brought it up, but I didn't talk about it. It's a huge point to yeah. you, obviously. Yeah. Because you have brought it up several times. Um, yeah. The man at arms gets stabbed. Through the post. Yeah, and you'll like that because this dude, you want him to get stabbed. Uh, the princess, and, and then, so let's get on to the, the resurrection and duel between the dragon and the wizard. Obviously, what do you want from a fantasy movie? Well, I think a, dra- a duel between a dragon and a wizard. Yeah. Probably way up there at the but top of the list. it all comes down to. So, But yeah, Peter McNichol takes the ashes of the wizard that he's put in his little pouch and he's taken with him the whole time. There's also an amulet that he wears that's supposed to basically signify when to do things, when not to do things. And it does give him a source of power as well, so he still thinks he's going to be this great wizard, but really it's just uh, it's not going to happen. 
But he wears it anyways because uh, the main wizard told him to. And he gets this part where it's down where the, the dragon lives. And uh, he sees this lake. And it's got fire coming up out of the water. It's very, very cool. And uh, he takes the ashes, dumps them in there. You start seeing all kinds of reaction going on in the water and stuff. And lo and behold, the wizard comes back. And uh, it's a pretty cool uh, overlaying effect that they used uh, with the fire and stuff. It's it's ILM again, early, you know, not early days, but still before CGI or anything like that. So very creative. The effects still work for me on this. And uh, so he gets to come back, and he's more powerful, just like we said with Gandalf or Ben Kenobi, however you want to look at it. And uh, he's ready to rock and roll. He's ready to go in here and say, all right, it's time to kick some dragon butt. Rock and roll wizard. That's right. He's a rock and roll wizard. That's right. <laughs> so, you know, the the dragon, up until now, has really only been sleeping in a cave. Hasn't even shown up. And uh, when it comes out, you know, what does it see when it comes out of the, the cave? The dead babies. Dead dragon babies. And the reaction? The is- reaction is it decides never to watch another Roger Corman movie. <laughs> now, the, uh, the reaction, obviously, is... I compare it only to Christopher Reeve in the first Superman movie when Lois Lane is dead and he does that scream before he takes off flying around the earth. That dragon reacts like that. As, as a matter of fact, I think the dragon was up for an Oscar that year <laughs> for its performance in Dragon Slayer and it was uh, it was overtaken by uh, Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> <laughs> but so th- Herman... <laughs> the dragon the dragon's incredible it is yeah i mean even okay so so dashing everything that we've talked to so far except maybe the creek scene if yeah. you get a chance to watch this movie just fast forward to the end yeah and watch the dragon versus the wizard duel it is it is incredible you know i have to admit too though the scene where the whole dragon slayer scene where he's got the he's got the spear he's got the shield and the dragon hovers over him coming up out of the water and the scale yeah. of that how they really show the scale of that is, to me is still impressive they really did a good job of showing the scale in all those scenes of the size of the dragon versus the person and speaking of scales you know the dragon scale shield that we mentioned <laughs> there's a great scene where the dragon breathes yeah. fire and it and it's stopped by that shield and it also is just an incredible work of of uh, of special effects, especially for the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're talking about no access to any kind of simultaneous digital effect on yeah. a camera frame. Yeah, they they drew everything, they added everything. Well, and, what blew my mind is when I found out, especially you know, we we're talking about that scene in particular, and then the scene where it finds the dead babies and it comes walking down that that corridor. Like, yes, you know, and that still just blows my mind when I see that. And then I found out it's a puppet. That blew my mind. I could not believe that is a puppet. Well, it looks great, yeah. and you know, it, it walks with kind of a bat wing kind of situation. Yeah. And it's again, when you watch it, you'll jump right back online and you will make a comment to say that yeah. you thank us to the end of time for letting you see this this amazing duel between a wizard and a dragon yeah. and these incredible ILM effects. Another thing I like too about the dragon is when he has the first confrontation with with Peter McNichol 
and he does the he pulls back you can hear him inhaling getting ready to burst out the fire and what i love about it is it's almost like the dragon can't control the off switch on this thing it just goes until it's completely out so there's a scene where he's breathing on Peter McNichol and it's burning, it's burning. Then you can tell it's like it's not good on the dragon either. And it actually raises his head up and it's letting the rest of it go up on the ceiling. Because it's like, oh, this is so hard to do. And the, but it just keeps going until it finally just stops. So yeah. I, I always find that interesting. I remember that scene too and I always kind of thought it was an extension of the anger. It kind of saw that the fire wasn't doing anything and and it blew the fire up as kind of a yeah kind of a, a angry posturing yeah you know to say look what i can do i'll burn the ceiling if i can't burn you and you know and i think right after that peter mcnichol drops that shield yeah i think he just throws it down and runs (laughs) yeah which i mean again i I think i'd hold on to that thing although running fast might have been the priority at that moment so the beauty of this movie again and, and like we were talking about with the name being called dragon slayer the fact that they spend all this time and you get this dragon slayer spear he gets the great opportunity to use it he does chop a few things, stab a guy through a post, these kind of things with it, which is awesome. But when it comes down to actually slaying a dragon, it just doesn't cut it. Uh, it does hurt him, stabs him in the neck, but the dragon is kind of to the point of where he can kind of get to it. Peter McNichols got him stabbed, and he's kind of still holding on to, to the, the handle of the spear, and, they, and it breaks off. And yeah, it's still kind of lodged in the dragon's neck. It would be like trying to... to kill a sea elephant with a toothpick yeah i mean the, the, the thing might be great but that dragon not going down by some spear yeah so why should you watch this movie like you said the whole ending scene with and you know you bring the the wizard back and get him involved in this whole scenario and uh it's just awesome great yep. great movie if, if you have the time go through and look at all these key points if you don't have time just you know Get a good idea of the plot from what we've said and go straight to that duel at the end. And at the end, Cassiodorus Rex has a moment where uh, he becomes the Dragon Slayer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he takes credit for it by uh, stabbing <laughs> a ceremonial sword into some kind of, uh, he, kind of an organ that's he, on the ground from the dragon. He gathers the, uh, the, the whole village around the dragon and walks up to it. And I think somebody even hands him the sword to do it with. Right, right. And he, and he's, he stabs it into this organ that looks like the thing that your cat won't eat. Yeah. Cassiodorus Rex, Dragon Slayer! So anyway, th- this is your your tutorial to watch the movie without spending your whole hour and 49 minutes. Was that what That's it was? That's what Marlon Brando said. And uh, just catching those high points. Uh, if, if you want to watch the whole thing, it's definitely worth a watch. But uh, just fast forward to that duel if you only have 20 minutes and you just have to get out the door. This is in my top uh, 30 movies of all time. Absolutely. Yours too. What do you think about it, people? Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's what I thought. We'll be back in just a few minutes, folks. Feeling lucky? Try your luck at Cassiodorus Rex's Lottery. Two times monthly, all pure villagers, sorry moms, get to try their luck for their kingdom. But don't take my word for it. Let's hear how the King's Lotto has changed lives. Uh, Before this lottery, I had no prospects, no future, and no fish in me barrel. With that dragon about... 
Before my lottery, I was not yet a world-renowned dragon slayer. Cassiodorus's Rex's Lottery, where everyone's a winner, except the winner. And now, Rick has a simple question. Why? George Lucas. Midichlorians. Why? Why did we need this? We didn't need an explanation. Didn't Yoda say in Empire Strikes Back that the Force is in that tree? It's in that rock? It's in all living things, correct? Then why? Why do we need an explanation? You're raping my childhood, Lucas. Cheese and crackers. <laughs> hey, that's uh, that's the wrap for our first show. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us, uh, getting to hear us talk about some movies that we care about, uh, even if you don't. Uh, appreciate you listening. Yeah, hopefully in the future we'll have more shows for you. We'll get this uh, down to a science and then it'll be as enjoyable for us to do as for you to listen to. I know I've had a great time doing this today. I'll be super glad to do this again. Sure. And help you guys with any uh, movies that we enjoy, helping you to appreciate it the way we do. And again, if there's anything you want us to look at, just throw it in there. We'll yep. definitely talk about it. Visit the, the Facebook page, fill that joker up, and we'll go from there. All right, guys. Adios. Helming. Hey,